Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Saido and Marina Galan. In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Hello, my love. Hello, Misha. Can I say it again? Yes. I miss you. <laughs> okay. You miss the part where I share how many times per week I have sex, how often I take drugs, and whether I hire myself or not, right? Are you kidding me? I missed that. Oh my God. No. Come on. Please say it again. <laughs> No. Please. What do I have to do? We'll discuss now in the in this episode. <laughs> okay, so sex. Oh. Okay, so but now I don't want to talk about like usual average stuff that everyone gets. What do you mean? So I don't want to talk about like normal partner sex. I want to talk about Group sex, swinging, that kind of stuff. Okay. You no know, pleasures that people are trying to chase for different reasons. As well as, I don't want to talk about smoking weed. I'm more interested about like heavy stuff, taking LSD or DMT, stuff like that. And also, let's talk about masturbation and self-injury masturbation as self-injury or and, and oh okay and self-injury self you scared me there for a second misha yeah people don't harm yourself when you masturbate that's not truly really a good idea yeah it's not yeah it is not so what what about masturbation and self-injury would you like to touch on <laughs> let's make a step back and ask why someone is happy without chasing all of that and other people would try group self-injury lsd why is that happening with someone versus others hmm. oh man that's a wide question that's a wide wide question from from where I am standing, we are all immersed in an ocean of experience. Like human beings cannot subtract themselves from experiencing. But but we can numb ourselves to the day-to-day -day experience. We can somehow hijack the system so that we push away what experience does in us. But because we are creatures that need experience and our heart needs experience in order to grow and expand and learn, we put ourselves into a conundrum. We put ourselves in a catch-22 in which we are trying not to feel but trying desperately to have an extreme experience. So in a way, it's a, 
it's almost a trade-off in which we are exchanging the possibility of everyday experience, which can be incredibly satisfying, beautiful, nurturing, rich, filled with gratitude and joy for an extreme experience because we are we have lost our way in in the everyday experience we cannot really get from it what we what our heart is demanding but in a way the system so looking for extreme experiences is the system trying to save itself there is wisdom in that it's just misunderstood What I think, one part where I absolutely agree, the part about chasing extreme experiences, I believe there are two reasons for that. And one is the harder you're trying to escape, the more extreme experience you're after. An extreme experience becomes your compensation vehicle for the suffering you're taking on yourself. So in your normal real life, you are avoiding and at the same time, you're pushed towards full immersive extreme stuff, right? Yeah, it's, it's paradoxical. Because trying to avoid something, you are throwing yourself into a more extreme yeah. version of it. And that works like the, I think, second Newtonian law. You know, the amount of power you're applying against something will be met with the same amount of power. Yeah, that makes sense. The more you avoid, the, the harder you want. <laughs> right of course there is there is there is insight waiting in rejection yeah and this at the same time i think that the second part is emotional dysregulation as a result of something that cannot be explained. And let me describe what I mean. It happens so that some people experience more intense and longer emotions than the other. For instance, the way I experience love might be very different to how you experience it because our biologies are so different and also our environments in which we grown up were different. And what is tolerable for me might be intolerable for you. For someone, emotional pain of loss can be so unbearable that the only way to stop it will be self-injury. The only way to soothe yourself with your chemical hormonal cocktail will be to 
self harm yourself so you will stop experiencing one pain and physical pain will substitute the one you're experiencing now some people so desperately want to get into sexual pleasure that they cannot explain the intensity of it and nobody really knows why their intensity is so high and to quench that thirst they will push themselves into extremities in illusion that that will satisfy and what they are soon to find out it will just create even deeper thirst well here's the thing Misha from from the understanding of the inside out nature of experience experience is being created in the moment by thought yes when people are trying to escape experience what they are looking for is their default setting so what 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 they would be able to experience in the absence of thought or in the presence of a neutral thought if you want to see it that way or in the presence of a neutral relationship to thinking but by pushing themselves into even more extreme experiences they are going in the opposite direction in which they actually want to go so by trying to avoid a simple or mild one and trying to intensify it or trying to avoid one that they would consider non-desirable and exchange it for one that they would consider desirable they are throwing themselves into the deep deep realms of experience and that is taking them away from their default setting which would be peace and calm you see yeah yeah what would you say about toddlers who haven't developed linguistic apparatus to experience thoughts but already able to experience emotions okay i don't i don't think toddlers do not experience thought i just think they don't experience in, it in terms of self language so thought is not necessarily language you can be an image it can be in amish <laughs> in, in image or oh it can be image yeah but if you go before the form so when sydney banks talks about impersonal thinking what he's talking about is energy energy before the form so there is no image there is no language there are no words there is just the energy of thought which is the principle of thought that is being experienced by a should we, okay i am going to say it by a non-personal consciousness because mm-hmm. there is no identity in that consciousness yet so from from my perspective babies are experiencing thought all the time they are just not experiencing it as language they are having experience you can see their experience you can 
you can see their faces and they are, you know, like mimicking everything that is happening in terms of emotion. It's just not coming from what we later construct as thought because we give it a form that is in language or in images. Are you saying they're experiencing energy? Because when you say thought, for me, thought is a form. Okay, this is what I am saying. I am saying that there is personal thought, which is in the form, yeah. and then there is impersonal thought, or the principle of thought. The principle of thought is thought as energy, flowing through consciousness as energy. That is not form yet. In the formless. Well, there is some sort of form, because it is. it depends on how you look at it. Because if you look at the extreme formless, and there is no thought and there is no consciousness. There is just the formless that is just pure energy, right? So in a way, the fact that you have consciousness on one side and thought on the other side is already a type of form. Mm -hmm. And then you can go from there and go into a more personal, more personal, more personal type of form, which would be language or what you can perceive given your conditioning, etc., or what you can experience through your identity. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you know it is true? How do I know what is true? What you just said. <laughs> what does this have to do with sex and drugs and rock and roll? No, hold on, hold on. I, I promise I'm going to leave. No, I know. I know it has everything to do with it. Okay. I, I suck at being a follower. You know, and saying, okay, this must be true because this person said it. And and I have a thing for finding out for myself. So in my attempt to find out whether this was true or not, I am going to make a, cho a joke and say, I try to remember <laughs> what it was like for me before identity and thought. But the truth is that I have observed lots and lots and lots of babies. And I have seen how they are experiencing. And then I have actually seen the moment in which they make up a story about it. Not even them. Like the mind makes up a story about it. To learn from it. And then that becomes conditioning in the moment. I will give you an example. So the baby cries not because the baby knows that their voice is tuned to a pitch that makes it impossible for the brain of the mother not to respond because her brain is conditioned to that precise pitch, etc., etc. The baby doesn't even know there is such a thing as mother. The baby doesn't know there is such a thing as hunger. The baby doesn't know that there is such a thing as calling. The baby cries because it occurs to them to cry right? Which is wisdom in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. It occurs to you. It is not supported by any rational argument. But the baby really fast learns that if I cry, mom will come. So you have the experience, you have wisdom in the moment providing a quote-unquote solution and you have the rational mind creating the story and the lesson. 
But if you go before that, which you can, because you can observe a baby before that, you see pure thought being experienced by pure consciousness. There is no story of I, there is no story of anything. And so here we, we get to the, the very famous quote by Sid Banks, thought creates the world and, say, and then says, I didn't do it. So yes, the rational mind is creating the story, is creating the connection, but it is so good at hiding and camouflaging underneath it. Okay, I promised you to link these two things together. <laughs> Let's take a person who is extreme emotional sexual desire where monogamic sex is not enough to want to go into group type of thing. Okay? Yes. And they don't know exactly where it is coming from and probably or maybe they're experiencing unconscious thought. Or how do you say the thought that is not personal? Impersonal. Impersonal? Okay. <laughs> Universal thought. Okay. So they're experiencing it. Okay, then the next question is, should they act and involve themselves into group pleasure? Or they should realize that it is just a thought, experience the desire, try to regulate it, and move on. The answer to that would depend entirely on what on where they want to go in life. So you're saying what are their values? Well, their values, their hopes, their dreams, their ideals, not necessarily their values per se. I guess but, when they you know, if, if you if you want to have a uh, robust, healthy marriage, and your wife doesn't think that group sex is uh, something that she could live with, then you shouldn't. But you see, the realm of should and shouldn't does not belong to the realm of description. We are describing how the system operates. We are not saying what people should or should not do. Everyone decides for herself. Well, basically, we are ultimately radically free. How did you realize for yourself that you don't need group sex? Oh, well, here's the thing. I don't like it. No, no, that's not <laughs> <laughs> I tried it and do not like it. No, I'm <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, the person you were describing, like they have this huge impulses. Yes. When you understand how the system works, you do not necessarily change the impulses, but you change the relationship that you have to the impulses. Mm -hmm. You see? And so the impulse might uh, lead you to believe that, oh, this is what I need in order to satisfy this impulse. But that is entirely, entirely, entirely made up. So in reality, nobody needs sex group. Nobody needs drugs. 
I will not say the same for rock and roll. I think everybody needs rock and roll. But yes, I agree <laughs> on that. But when you change your relationship to the impulse, then the sh the realm of should and shouldn't really really takes on a completely different perspective. Thank you, Misha. Okay. See you Thanks. next time. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the School for Mystics podcast.